Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone, Van Helsing. And with me all the way across the pond is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Hello, how are you? Good, good, good. So uh, I've been looking at the news, and uh, there was an article that came across my feed this morning. Anything to do with witches? Yes, it is, actually. I'm psychic. Yeah, so I am going to play that little thing right now, if I can do this. Uh, See how talented I am. So this is uh, Mysterious Witches Mark Discovered in Ancient cave in Cresswell Crags, England, whoever the hell that is. So let's play this. Uh. Yeah, that's right. Hello. Uh, Can't hear anything. Am I still on? That was me laughing. I can't hear anything apart from you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. All right, so all that time you couldn't hear me? No. Just silence. Well, as I read all that thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's the witches, I tell you. You know, those those marks actually... um, and I know the ones you mean at Creswell Crags, and there are others around the country, particularly, I mean, there's some out here in Wales as well. And, yeah, uh, they they're, they're not, churches and stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, they are referred to as witch marks or witch protection marks, but actually, generally, um, they're also considered to be protective marks against all forms of supernatural creatures, including fairies, goblins. Uh, so they're not, although they're referred to as witch marks, um, they they actually are uh, protective charms against many th- many of the little supernatural folk. According to uh, the, this, it says witches' marks are commonly found in historic churches and houses and are typically scribed to protect the inhabitants from evil spirits. That's according to the heritage mm-hmm. facilitator there at uh, the caves or, the, or whatever the caverns are. Well, I mean, they are. They're not unknown, and they normally take the form of a like it's it looks like a W, but it's actually two interlocked uh, letter V's. Right. Great. Uh, which. Which, uh, if I remember, something, something to do with the Virgin Mary, Veritable Virgin, or... Uh, virgin of Virgins, yeah, the They're Virgin Mary. Virgin. It's supposed to be I, the reference. I, yeah. um, but some people have... Uh, actually, much more common than the witch mark um, is the witch bottle. I don't know if you have that in America. You may have in New England, because uh, it was the it was particularly common around the between the 15th and 17th century where people would take a bottle and they would bury it beneath the front doorstep of the house or beneath one of the uh, foundation uh, stones of the house and the bottle would contain a mixture of all manner of bizarre and nasty things um it would always Actually, include the recipe for that rusty pin well iron nails or pins um, it would contain animal hair. It would always contain human uh, urine. Urine, yeah. yeah. Um, which all of which, all of which, um, the witch uh, fact offensive, and so witch bottles. I presume then you you obviously have them in New England. Yes, that's it's common. Uh, it's a common thing, and not. Uh, we also have witch balls, which are another thing. Uh, they are glass ball that are hung from the window uh so there's a lot of them we have let's see if i can find that i'm not uh, i'm not familiar with witch balls um i don't think i've ever i've seen they they unearthed a witch a witch bottle um a year or so ago when they were doing some excavations i think it was before you left up left uh europe uh yeah i think it was around that time they they turn up periodically when buildings are being renovated or archaeology is uh, taking place, and I think there's I mean there's several dotted about in museums. Um, According to uh, the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it says a witch ball. Uh, it's a hollow sphere of plain or uh, striated glass hung in the cottage window uh, during the 18th century to ward off evil spirits, but later often posed to top off a vase or suspended on a cord on the mantelpiece as a decoration. So, uh, but it was originally hung for, to ward off uh, evil spirits. Well, that's interesting because whenever you travel to, uh, particularly around Devon and Cornwall, you will often Mm -hmm. see in windows of uh, the cottages, you'll often see, uh, do you remember, I don't know if you have them, but you have glass floats from nets. Uh, or I always assumed they were glass floats from nets, but now I've just realized that they actually might be witch balls. 
Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, we get everything from you guys because yeah. you, you know, uh, we're... I mean, you know, when when I've been to Devon and Cornwall, you see these in the in the windows of some of the cottages, public houses, restaurants. They're now used for decorative purposes, but there are these glass spheres, which I've always assumed were something to do with uh, a net float. And, um, and actually, it says, uh, it, this is another one, this is Wikipedia, so I don't know how good it is, but it says, oh, which spot holes... Hollow spear of colored glass traditionally used as a fishing float. Modern ah, witch balls are uh, decorative <laughs> replicas. Some are made to look like Christmas baubles, but this remember, this is Wikipedia. Uh, floating glass boys are connected with witches during the hunts in England. Uh, in the late 17th century, suspected witches were tied, uh, were tried in... Yep, and thrown in the water. If the yep. water rejected them uh, for from a second baptism, they were and floated. They were suspected to be or confirmed to be witches, and of course, that was the end of them uh, until they were hung. <laughs> so, and if they sank, they drowned. <laughs> yep, in a like yeah, they, they screwed one way or the other. In a like manner, these heavy glass fishing floats all. Uh, were tied in nets so that they wouldn't sink. Uh, water rejected them. The bobbly would merely surface again. Historically, witch balls are hung in cottages in 17th England to ward off evil spirits. So I, I guess they do have... Yeah, well, I never... I wait never a minute. Realized. Once again, this is according to Wikipedia, which no, but, I, I mean, am not it's like... It's interesting because I've actually learned something about my own history tonight because I've always assumed that they were fishing floats because that's what I think we were told. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you only tend to see them around fishing ports. And, of course, fishermen are probably amongst the uh, most superstitious folk that there are. Oh, yeah, quite so. And, um, yeah, I, this idea of them um, actually being witch balls now converted to decorative purposes. I mean, you see them in so many antique stores. Yeah, they're in uh, gardens and everything else. They used to yeah, hang yeah, everywhere. Yeah. So, I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, in New England, the there is a propensity for putting those um, floats on the, the net. Is it like the lobster pot floats? Yeah, they're, they're is the, that uh, purely boys, decorative? the boys. Is that purely decorative? No, the the boys are used for to mark the uh, lobster pods. Oh, I've been hanging them on houses and buildings. Yeah, it's just pure, de- pure decoration. Inevitably, the ocean winds and rips them yeah. out, and they go oh. floating around. Somebody finds them, drags drags them home, and hangs them up. Yeah, I brought one back, didn't I, from the beach a couple of years ago? Yes, yeah, so many of them. Like Anyways, a, like, a, like a little puppy, I carried it back faithfully from the beach. Anyways, uh, it says here uh, in the Ozark Mountains, another kind of witch ball is made from black hair that is rolled with beeswax into a hard round pallet about the size of a marble and uh, is uh, used in curses. Ozark folklore, a witch that wants to kill someone will take uh, this hairball and throw it at the intended victim. And it is said that when someone in the Ozark Mountains is killed by a witch's curse, the witch ball is found near the body. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard of a witch's knot as well, which is designed to confuse the witch. So it's tied across things like door entrances, and the witch apparently gets distracted, or the demon, or the spirit, because they're also used against demon spirits and other uh, supernatural creatures. Um, and this knot apparently is really, really complicated. And then mm-hmm. obviously the, the, because apparently, how is it? The devil can't abide 
um, a puzzle or he hates an unsolved puzzle. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that, Steve, because uh, in fact, it's in my first book, Ghost Chronicles, is that we we did this house and uh, when the people moved into the house, they found all these coins on the windowsill and all the coins were placed there uh, face down. And uh, she, she told me about it, and of course, it's a long story. But anyway, so I did research on these coins, and, and that's another tradition is what they would do is they would take a coin and place it face down on the windowsill. And when the devil would send out his minions to the house, uh, they would go to the window, see the face looking down, and look down and, and get confused at what they were looking at, and then finally give up and, and leave. Mm. So it's very similar to what you were talking about. Yeah. The thing I noticed, and I, I think I asked you about it, but um, it's quite a, quite often in New England when we were driving around. I saw stars on the end gables of buildings, five-pointed stars. Yeah, they have a lot of those, yeah. Now, the five-pointed star is, is a magical symbol. Uh, is, a, is this some sort of protective charm on the house, or is it just purely decorative? I always thought they were decorative. Because so many properties have them, and they're quite distinctive. You know, there's not, there's yeah, not well, really any New variation. Yeah, well, it's very patriotic, and the, the, the star is uh, uh, a symbol of our country as well. Yeah, I mean, they are very similar to the ones on the um, on the flag, but they're... Well, not only that, but if you look at any anything... Uh, uh, like history or anything, they'll, they'll show stars here and there when people want to, to uh, what do you call their, uh, show their their support for the country. Right. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's, for, that's instance, have, for instance, we have, uh, if, if you lose someone in uh, the war or any war, then you become a, a gold star mm-hmm. uh, family. I wonder if that's anything to do, because well, could date back to the Civil War or the First World War, Second World War. So Because you don't see them on every building, but you do see quite a lot of them around New England. And uh, it's not something I recall seeing in any other part of the U.S. It's actually called a barn star. Right. All right, here it goes. Because uh, you asked. Mm-hmm. Because I'm intrigued. Yes. All right, here we go. Ugh, pop-ups. I hate pop-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever invented the ice cream, I'd like to kill them. Uh, anyways, here he goes. It talks about the five-pointed star mounted on exteriors of houses uh, everywhere. It turns out there is no... Oh, wait a minute. According to this, turns out there is no real specific explanation on the Internet. <laughs> oh. there you go. So it must not exist. <laughs> but there are well, plenty there of explanations are. ranging from uh, structural to decorative to membership to some group. It's so-called Bond Stars. According to Wikipedia, Bond Stars are not in any way structural or primary decorative. One explanation is they consider a good luck symbol. Uh, so there you go. We, you we know have... what, yeah, you know what it really is, don't you? Somebody, some place has put a star on their barn gable, and the guy across the road has looked at it and gone, "We'll do that," and it's just caught on, and nobody really knows why. <laughs> it probably started as a fashion trend fifty or sixty, seventy years ago. Like, I mean, that's how Stonehenge came into being, you know. Yeah. 
No, it's, it's true. What happened was there were two villages on Salisbury Plain, uh, on opposite sides of Salisbury Plain. And um, you know how the, the ancient British were, uh, they really liked to drink the henbane, which was a slightly hallucinogenic um, plant extract uh-huh. that, they used, that they used to mix with. It was before, we, it was before we'd, um, we'd invented tea, so they used to drink henbane. Um, but as I say, it's mildly hallucinogenic. And um, according to the, the legend, there was a tribal chief there one night, and he'd, he'd had several henbanes, and he was looking across this empty plain, and there were some big rocks dotted about. And he said to the, uh, the, the others in the tribe, in, in, in his clan, he said, uh, just go and put those rocks on top of the other one. Just, like, put that one on top of that one. So, of course, they did. And then the tribe across in the village on the other side of Salisbury were looking at it going, have you seen what they've done over there? They've put them. Well, tell you what, if we put two of them on, um, we could put a, one across. And that's how Stonehenge was created. Really? Yeah, really. It's on Wikipedia. <laughs> or it will be in an hour. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Actually, do you know what? I was talking to an archaeologist some years ago, and I told him that story. Where on Wikipedia? It, no, well, I was sitting in a muddy trench at the time. But yeah. uh, there is a thing that's quite uh, the in thing within uh, modern archaeology is called post-processual archaeology. It's kind of like the right-on archaeology, the the current sort of on-trend archaeology. And basically, what they say is. Um, and this is why we get so many ritual sites cropping up, because in, in terms of archaeology, if they can't explain it, they usually say it's ritual in origin or of in course. purpose. <laughs> and we don't know what that is, but it's ritual. Um, and essentially, if you can come up with a plausible theory that is supported by what you find in the, within the archaeology, then it must be considered as a viable idea. So I said, so this idea of the two tribes uh, sort of on the henbane going, stick a rock on top of that one, and you've seen what they've done. And he said, yep, that's a perfectly valid theory. There you go. So live and learn. Yeah, right. Living and learning all the while. Yeah, like that would uh, happen. (laughs) Anyway. It might have done. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. You know, I, I, I think we're, we're slightly disingenuous to the uh, ancient folk, the native, uh, the native. Those ton, those stones weigh tons, and they're gonna just because some joker says, "Ah, they'll put one on top of the other," they're gonna put it there. Um, well, you've worked with the Japanese film crew. What's that got to do with the price of tea in China? Um, well, if it's anything like the director we had, who had them, who had the uh, film crew up at 3 a.m. in the morning in the pouring rain just to move some stuff around for about three hours because he wanted a better shot, you will know how obedient some people can be to the whims and the, dis- the directions of another person. So mm. if the tribal chief was saying, you know, look, if you want feeding next week, you can put them stones on top of that one. Besides which, we are very, very dismissive of our past achievements. You know, mm-hmm. we say, well, we need aliens' help to build a pyramid. Yeah, I've always said the, that. The Mayans can't make walls. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, look at the jointing on that wall. The Mayans can't, can't do that. Well, actually, the Mayans did do that, and the ancient Egyptians did build the pyramids. And medieval man built huge cathedrals across Europe 
and the Romans built a gigantic wall, much much along the line of your president. And bridges and roads. And bridges and roads and the world's and the world's largest uh, freestanding concrete dome up until only 50, 40 years ago was built by the Romans. Um, so we're very disingenuous towards them, saying that, you know, well, obviously they were stupid people. They, they can't be as clever as us. And this idea actually is, isn't really a modern thing. It's a Victorian thing. The Victorians thought that they were the pinnacle of, of educated society and that they thought that, you know, they were the... <sighs> they had evolved to the highest possible level and that everything beneath them, of course, in the past was um, savage and unable to do the things that the Victorians could do. And yet, if you look back through history, the Victorians were, they were all right, I suppose, but we consider the Victorians now a little backward, don't we? We do. And in a hundred years' time, Oh, come on. I mean, let's be honest. It, when you and I were growing up, the idea of talking to somebody on the opposite side of the planet with a device strapped to your wrist, a wristwatch in effect, mm-hmm. was pure science fiction, wasn't it? Yeah, but we believe in science fiction. At least yeah. I do. It's reality. Science fiction is, is, is basically what you – predictions of the future, basically – and well, I hope some um, of it just come true. I'd hate to come across how. Quite a few of it's come true, which is intriguing. I, if you looked at the original Star Trek one, yeah. it's, it's simply amazing the stuff that came through on that. And, uh, uh, you, you know, I, I mean, just even the they used to have those little, uh, I, I'm not going to call them discs, but, but for lack of a better name, the little plastic square things they used to stick in the computer that had all kinds of uh, recorded mm-hmm. data and stuff on it. And uh, <laughs> that sounds familiar. They, not they, not counting their I, flip phone like I have. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a documentary a few years ago. It was about Star Trek technology. And it said that when, when Roddenberry was um, – writing, creating the first series of Star Trek. He went to some of the great science minds. He went to MIT, he went to NASA, he went to other places and said, I want to do a series set in the 23rd century. What sort of stuff um, can you, you know, project what, what technology will be like, what technology we will have in the 23rd century? So they did, and he incorporated it into series one of Star Trek. However, before the, the series had finished airing, I think about 60% of the technology had been created. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, uh, before, I know the break is coming up, so I don't want to start anything new before that. But uh, talking about uh, space and so forth, uh, NASA announced, of course, that we were returning to the moon. We're going to establish a uh, space station oh, there. It's flat. And, yeah, well, they'll try. Yeah, I was watching they'll, a documentary. They'll, they'll, do it in, they'll do it in some studio, so don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, the the flat earthers have moved on to the. Uh, they've solved the conundrum of the flat moon. Oh, really? Yeah, because um, they they've had trouble with the flat moon for the longest time. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, because it should appear obviously if it retreats across the sky, um, in the firmament of their imaginations, then it should appear as a lit an ellipse, but it always appears as a circle, or a portion and? of a circle. And? and that's always confused them, but apparently... Uh, well, how did they solve it? Uh, I didn't watch it for long enough. 
Damn! It was 35 minutes. I thought you wasted the... hours on this crap. Not that much, uh, but it was 35 minutes into it, and he was still telling us how marvellous the, the discovery was without actually telling us what the bloody discovery was. Yeah, it's a, somebody so, with a flashlight. Yeah, probably. So, uh, it's something about it being embedded into the, the actual the, the firmament that we uh, think what... the dome is not a dome. It's, it's a liquid dome. Oh, was I think the gist of it, which allows the oh, thing. Oh, there we go. Now we can remember. We can say liquid domes. That's even more yeah. so it's a liquid, it's a liquid, it's a liquid dome that with and the liquid acts as a lens, so that every person always, uh, wherever the light shines, it always shines as a circle, not an ellipse, which defeats the laws of physics. So, um, what are eclipses then? I. Or why is it coloured sometimes? I don't know. Maybe the tide's in. I don't uh, know. Well, I, I just, you know, flatland. Stop, like stop spoiling their fun. Mm. By the way, uh, witches' bottles in, in the U.S., I meant that's why I was having a hard time trying to wrap my thing around it. They call it witches' jars here because we use a jar, not a bottle here. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's are. a little different on that, but same, well, same, same principle. principle. Same principle. Okay. Yeah, same right? principle. You know, of all the technology, though, which is on on uh, Star Trek, and of course the transporter is the one that gives me the most difficult uh, time, and, and not so much that they couldn't uh, transport an object. It's a person that I have problems for because we don't know in reality what makes a person a person. Uh, you know, whether, whether it's a soul or it's a uh, whatever this this intelligence and whatever we have, it, that a living thing would to me would 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 be difficult unless we could resolve what the hell we really are. The thing with this, the thing with the transporter, when you look at the the description of the technology, mm -hmm. it it disregards any form of soul and consciousness because right. it it deconstructs the person to an atomic scale. It then stores that into a computer uh, memory as yep, uh, yep. a pattern, yep. and then basically, so after you transported, so, yeah. But the thing is, after you've transported down and up, are you just a recording of yourself? Interesting. So, after your first transport, you would effectively be a clone, a digital so you, clone of are yourself. Are you living in the in the matrix? Hey, see, we could be. <laughs> we could. Yeah, well that's be. that's the biggest thing is is transporting a, a living entity is is what I have the the most difficulty with that. I mean, I think it's a great idea because you know I hate freaking traveling anywhere, whether it's driving a car that's or an airplane or whatever. I want to do that quantum leap stuff. That looks really cool. That's a much better idea. The what? Quantum leap. You don't remember the series Quantum Leap? I don't remember it. They sort of jump backwards and forwards through time. It's a bit like Stargate. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 50s, uh, from the 70s, 60s and 70s. Do you remember uh, Time Tunnel? Yeah, I do remember Time Tunnel. Yeah. Was it Time Tunnel? It was Time Tunnel. It was time tunnel, mm. and I remember doing the time warp, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, maybe after the ad. Anyways, there's the music, so we have to take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet and Parex Radio. We've already discussed witches' balls and other things. We have a 
um, new teller of Curious Tales coming up after the break, and we've got something else to talk about that Steve doesn't know about, so I'm going to hold that. We'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Mysterious and spooky, they all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parax family. Part two. I was just listening to Ron typing away. We're back to part two of Ghost Chronicles, the, philosoph- ghost. the philosophy edition. No, no, no. We're, we're mulling over witches' balls, space Excuse travel. Me? What you said before the break, witches' balls, <laughs> space travel, teleportation, um, and anything else that pops into our minds. And yeah. first, I think we've got to tell her of curious tales. Are we going to play that now? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's. Uh, Think you let's can finish. Go. Think you can finish typing away. Let's go with the teller of curious tales. Tonight, I, the teller of curious tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories. True stories, stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the teller of curious tales. In the summer of 1865, 13 ex-Confederate officers sat in a small private dining room of a southern hotel. They had returned from the war only to find their homes destroyed, their slaves freed, their wealth confiscated, and their friends scattered or dead. For this one night, they were going to forget the past and down their troubles. After about three drinks, one of the party looked around and saw that there were thirteen sitting at the table. Laughingly, he suggested that they call it the Last Supper. The idea was hilariously approved by the others, 
Only one man protested, saying it would be profane and sacrilegious, but he was soon shouted down and more drinks were ordered. Then the lights were lowered, and the party of thirteen declared themselves Christ and his twelve apostles. A youthful colonel acted the part of the Christ. Each of the others took the name of a disciple. They had some difficulty getting one of their number to impersonate Judas, but finally a young lieutenant agreed to be the traitor. The waiter was sent for, and a Bible ordered. When it arrived, the man impersonating the Christ read his solemn words. Instead of wine, whiskey was used in the mock ceremony. He that drinketh from the bottle with me shall betray me. Hey, Judas, take a drink and pass the bottle. Everyone laughed as Judas obeyed the command. This mockery of Christianity's most holy ceremonial continued until the Thirteen had either collapsed completely or were so maudlin they could no longer keep it up. Morning broke with the Thirteen in a drunken stupor. They separated and never met again. From that day on, everything these men undertook turned out badly. All of them died unnatural deaths, and not one received a Christian burial. The man who impersonated Christ was killed by a vigilante committee in Texas, whilst trying to escape on a stolen horse. The St. John was lynched in the same state for murder. One was caught in a burning building, another was stabbed to death. And on March the 18th, 1890, the St. Louis Globe Democrat received the following telegram. Quote, God's avenging hand, last of the 13 men who acted the Last Supper in mockery, found dead this morning in a gutter of a Birmingham street. The gong strikes. My time is up. The teller of curious tales has closed his book. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. Until then, sleep tight. <laughs>
Get it out. Get it out. <laughs> yeah. But they do seem to tie into the content of the programmes more often than not, don't they? Like tonight, curses and playing with, uh, you know, bad luck and devils and. Yeah. Oh, is that just, or is that just? Um, you, see, you see how easy it it's is. Good for planning. To... It's not. It's not planning at all. But it's planning. How do you know it's not planning? The universe planned it for us. Yeah, but you see, this is the problem with coincidence, isn't it? You start to look for patterns, and there's me sitting there listening to the teller of curious tales, and you sitting there as well listening to it and going hey that's really um, a bit of a coincidence that that was a sort of linked to the subject we were talking about tonight wow do you think the universe is messing with Ghost Chronicles International of course it is we're yeah. all here by divine power so it's uh, it's all the natural scheme of things yeah, yeah. alright <laughs> So let's move on to something else. I got into an argument once with a female um, member of the clergy. Oh, this is a surprise. Yeah, she said she had to divine right. Yeah, we were discussing something and we were disagreeing and she said she had to divine right. And it went downhill after that when I said that the left wasn't bad either. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I always liked the uh, female vicars and... uh... The Vicar of Dibley. Do you have the Vicar of Dibley in America? No. In uh, in uh, mid Midsummer's Murders, I guess. So yeah, they always every so often they'll have one. The trouble with that program, Midsummer Murders, is there is no problem. It's my favorite program, probably. Yeah, but you see, it's they've never ever. I mean, it's so obvious it's, that Barnaby is just a serial killer. <laughs> Yeah, I know it. And like, there's no people left in Midsummer's County <laughs> and all this other stuff. But, so I'm looking forward, of course, Jan, Jan and I are both looking forward to the Downton Abbey movie, which is coming out. And they've we have sneak seeing little scenes of it now and now, little snippets. So that's pretty cool. Has he got Ecto-1 in it? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. So anyways, uh, a few years back, this is quite a few years back, uh, some enterprising American went to... Uh, the UK and purchased this one of your crappy bridges. Oh, Do you remember London this? Bridge. Yeah, we saw yes. London Bridge in the middle of Arizona now. Yeah, so we're going to play a little bit right now, and, and we're going to talk about it. So uh, without further ado, let me play this. This is from Channel 12 News. This is where you go quiet again. The bridge was actually designed by a gentleman named Sir John Rainey. Gary Asbury knows a lot about the London Bridge. You can hear this, right? Romans actually... Yeah. Uh, built the first bridge that was ever across the River Thames. You might say he's Lake Havasu's expert. The bridge came in 10,264 pieces. That's 10,000 tons of granite, 22 million pounds. Which Gary claims... ...is one of the best conductors and stores of electromagnetic energy that we have on the planet. Why does he think so? Well, it brought a lot of ghosts with it, and it has to have a lot of residual energy. Oh, God. Whether you believe or not in his theories, the bridge certainly has a history for ghost stories. For instance, under these very arches, London struggled to manage the Black Plague. They had a ferry, and the ferry would moonlight at night, and it would stack the corpses on there just like Corwood. And that's how the River Thames actually got its nickname, the Black River of Death. While walking up the steps alongside of the London Bridge, Gary says more than a few tourists have claimed seeing a British couple dressed in early century clothing. People have seen them so clearly that they've actually walked up to them and asked them for directions. 
And when these lampposts were added to the bridge in the late 1800s, engineers used scrap metal from the Battle of Waterloo. Each and every lamppost here is made out of one cannon barrel from Napoleon's warships. Which means... These lampposts have killed a lot of people. <laughs> probably the most disturbing activity haunting the London Bridge stems back to 1888, when Londoners lived in fear of Jack the Ripper. He killed all the girls in 1888 within one mile of the bridge in Whitechapel. Newspaper articles recount seven murders, with only enough clues to prove the killer was probably better educated than his victims, and clever enough to escape completely. It's hollow, and you could go completely through it. So one of the theories is that Jack the Ripper never went over the bridge. He actually snuck into one of the service doors. Recently, Gary says his son snapped a photo at the bridge and then later discovered a mysterious man in the picture at the bottom of the steps that was never there before. Could this be the ghost of Jack the Ripper? It is No! We just don't know what <laughs> Proving... You don't need to travel to London to scare the dickens out of you. Just take a <laughs> to Lake Havasu. So what do you think of that, my friend? That's marketing genius. <laughs> Jack the Ripper's in Arizona now. <laughs> Along with most of our ghosts um, that you got from London Bridge. Do you know what? That was That was kind of inevitable. I mean... The first guy that bought the bridge went bust, didn't he? Because he didn't have any... He bought the wrong bridge to start with. <laughs> well, yeah, they thought they were buying... That was the great thing. They thought they were buying Tower Bridge, which is the the, the famous one that goes up and down um, and looks like two castles. It's actually made of concrete and steel, but there you go. Um, and he ended up with London Bridge. Uh, because it was it was old and it needed replacing, and some entrepreneur sold it to a gullible American who thought he was buying Tower Bridge, <laughs> and he didn't have anywhere to put it, so it ended up over a gorge in the Arizona desert, if I remember, and it languished there for the longest time, uh, as there was plans to build a resort and a hotel, and and they never worked, and the first owner went bankrupt. I, I don't know if there have been subsequent, how many subsequent owners there have been, but it was it was then relocated um, a second time, wasn't it? It was moved from one part of the Arizona desert to another. Yeah, or they it's did on a lake now, Lake yeah. Hooch or something or other. Uh, but now apparently it's got ghosts. We see, of course, as soon as they put water near it. Well, we should get our expert on that. Get Rich Filler on the show. See what his theories are on this. Because well, uh, Jack the Ripper's got quite a distance to travel, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he's educated, remember? Yeah. And they don't know who he is, do I they? Mean, that, is pure, uh, that is pure marketing. You couldn't get away with that in England, Britain. What do you mean? You don't you do those ghost tours? We do the ghost tours, but, you know, if you tried to say that, hey, we've just bought the Empire State Building um, off the Americans. Well, actually, we bought the Chrysler Building, but, you know, we wanted the Empire State Building. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, so we're going to put it in the middle of a field, and uh, yeah, it's haunted, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be quite so gullible. Although, <laughs> wow, in recent years, well, the British, the British are more cynical. Mm-hmm. We are more cynical than Americans, um, you know, culturally more cynical. And yet, you probably have more ghost hunters per cap per square inch than we do. <laughs> 
Uh, well, accord- according to the latest set of statistics that came out now, I didn't do these, but um, mm-hmm. there was an estimate that there were over 12,000 active ghost hunters in the UK, uh, predominantly female, according to the article. Of course they are. Uh, and in excess of 900 paranormal teams and groups. Um, sort of dotting about the landscape. Now, when I looked at similar figures for America, America had around 2,500 groups, and the group sizes are bigger in America. So I guess you've kind of got the edge on us in terms of... Yeah, uh, but you got to look at the size of the country, so you, you have to figure that in per square inch is what I said. Uh, what's America's population, 260, 270? Mm-hmm. I said size of the country. I didn't say population, but... Uh, no, no, no. I'm just... What's the size of the American population? I really don't know offense. It's about 260, 270 million, isn't it? Thereabouts. If you say so. Britain's about 62 million. So, I don't know. Per capita, 2,500 versus 900. Yeah. If you've got four times the population and only one and a half times the number of ghost hunts, uh, two and a half times the number of groups, then... Yeah, we would have the highest number per capita. Yeah, I kind of figured you would, because it's it's very popular for some reason. But our group sizes are smaller, so most it's most UK only because they keep splitting up and making more groups. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, all this started off with one Adam and Eve group. Yeah, most haunted. <laughs> God, now there were groups before most haunted, uh, but yeah, most haunted, and um, the guys from Taps, which are coming back, by the way. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Ghost hunters are coming back, so yeah, that's, hallelujah. That's Pass the ammunition. News. Yeah, that's bad news. They must be short of money. I'm sure they are. Yeah, there's no other Grant, well, I don't think Grant's coming back. I just believe it's uh, just uh, Jason. Didn't he make some in – doesn't he own some haunted properties? No, they sold that. Oh, they sold that? Yeah, that didn't do too well. Because Zach, Zach's gone into property, hasn't he? And Zach buys everything he can get his hands on. <laughs> Especially if you attach the word haunted to it. I'll tell you what, they haven't got... Oh, so I get rid what, of Zach, the junk of my yard. I just I was say, gonna say I'll tell you, Zach buys it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, what Zach hasn't got in his um, haunted museum. Mm-hmm. Haunted iguana. That's true. You could... Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know. No, and of course, you've got provenance. Mm. There's something even better you could maybe sell him. Really? Mm-hmm. I can't say on on live radio what that might be, though. Yeah, like you'd kill me if I did that. <laughs> it depends how much you got for it. <laughs> yeah, capitalism capitalism always wins out in the end. Everything's got its price. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, I, uh, that that thing on the London Bridge, I thought I found that interesting because That's cause you're American. No, what what's your, what's your thoughts about that? I mean, it, you you Honestly? are. Yeah, seriously, you talk about well, the, the, oh, uh, well, the uh, right. stone tape theory, right? Well, well, let, well that... no, I don't. In fact, I did a, I did a couple of articles that, that said, okay, yeah, people say there is a stone tape theory. Our friend Richard Felix often talks about it. Often. But the problem... Often. Um, often. Very, very often. often. <laughs> but the problem with the stone tape theory, and Richard and others cite um, videotape or, or magnetic tape uh, or as, as an example... Or... Or you know, like, uh, as an example of how of how sound and video can be recorded onto stuff. 
Right. Now, because a videotape or an audio tape is really just iron oxide rust, fine rust particles smeared onto plastic tape. Right. Um, but the, in order to put the recording on and to take the recording off, you need quite a complicated electronic mechanism, a machine. Right. And we, we actually had the guy on the show that had that. Yeah. Or oh, so he claimed. Psychic and science, oh, yes. So uh, claimed. Yeah. Uh, until we asked him for the details. And yeah. And then he disappeared. Disappeared, um, yes. So I can understand that, you know, the, it's nice to think that, yes, maybe rock, silica, or iron oxide within the rock could record uh, like it does on videotape. But where is the mechanism to put the recording on or to take the recording off? Now, the believers all say, oh, well, the mechanism lies within our brain. Our mind is the mechanism that does this. Oh, really? It does it with electromagnetic magic moonbeams. And, oh, okay, I believe that. And you have to be psychic to do it. But I don't... If If, if we could do it... If it was possible to implant, implant, um, implant, imprint recordings into structures at a crystalline level, which is what well, the wait a minute, wait a minute, what I say, this is what the believers say. They say it's encoded at a crystalline level within the the structure of the rock or the. But it's it's soil. very possible to to embed sound in, into a. a uh, uh, structure, and we know that just from records alone. Because, and also we know that from pottery, there have been sounds that uh, were made during the, the potter's wheel that uh, have been recorded. Not, yeah, they have, but that's not the same thing. What, 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 what do you mean? It's not the same that's, thing. That's why, that's that's not encoded uh, into a crystalline matrix. That's encoded via via um, via the ridges and. In the, in the case of – there are two things. So the witch is being dra- – Anne Boleyn is being dragged down the corridor. She reaches out. She scratches the walls with her fingers, and there embedded are her screams. No, but what you could do is you could – what they've recorded uh, with pottery isn't the sound of uh, the potter or, or the ambient sound, but the actual sound of the wheel and the potter's right. fingers on it because, he's, yes. in effect, his hands are acting as a stylus cutting through exactly. the wax. Right. Now, it is possible with, with pottery, for example, uh, when, when you fire clay or fire um, uh, ceramic, you encode, uh, particularly if it's, if it's a natural ceramic like uh, clay for bricks, you encode, you lock the magnetic structure at the time of firing. And right. they use that for, uh, for dating. So you can date pottery by looking at the direction of the, magi- the, the magnetic field within the, within the pottery sample. Um, and then you just compare it to where the North Pole was at any given period in history. Um, but they haven't yet successfully found a, ma- a way of... I mean, it would be the most marvellous and incredible dream come true if we could replay the sounds of a building. Could you imagine going into uh, St. Peter Advincula's Chapel uh, in the Tower of London or to go into the Long Gallery at Hampton Court... And yeah. find that, and f- sort of listen in to real historical events, if that were only possible. There's that old saying: if these walls could only talk, but unfortunately they can't. Uh, but I, you know, I think that would be the greatest, one of the greatest breakthroughs 
that science could ever so achieve but, would but be. But we know, so, for instance, we know that the radio waves are bouncing all over the place, and, and it's very possible to pick up a, a radio wave uh, that was recorded, uh, that was, uh, what's the word, well, record, broadcast earlier, mm-hmm. and then is, is picked up much later. Uh, they said that our first, our furthest ones, the first radio transmissions of mankind are just, just approaching the outer edges of the solar system now. Yeah, well, it's good for them. So, unless they're a border alien. So somewhere out there, they're listening to Marconi uh, rabbiting on. Marconi played the mambo. Listen to the radio. Okay, moving right along. All right, so that too will be edging its way past the outer planets. Yep, very good. So my voice will be carried out there someday. They'll say, who was this wise man? And they will look and they will learn and they will laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) what's the Rome say? Was it Veni, Vidi, Vicky? They came, they saw, they were disappointed. That's, yeah. Yeah, lay Latin, yeah. I always remember the first thing I ever learned in Latin was Britannia Sinunsula, Britain's an island. <laughs> I think we always learned at school was illegitimus non carborundum, which is actually not correct Latin, but it was it was funny enough at school to make everybody laugh, and you thought that the teacher, you were getting one over on the teacher. Wow. But it wasn't even Latin. No. I mean, a legitimus non was, but the carborundum, of course, carborundum is grindstone, is a, a silicon oxide grinding right. material. But it sounded Latin, so as schoolboys, we always used to insert the legitimus non carborundum in our Latin <laughs> in our Latin textbooks, which basically meant "Don't let the bastards grind you down." <laughs> so I know we are coming to the uh, end of the show, but uh, there was another thing that was out there to the, on the internet, and oh, I, I also found oh. <laughs> I found I found that really no, this was Has actually been, I, hang on, is it been snowing in New England? It, this I think. <laughs> Are you snowed in? This would find you, I think you would find this interesting because it was uh, uh, the, oh, I just, Thomas Edison's mm-hmm. test to be hired by his company. Okay. And if you go out there and you can find it, you, can, you certainly can find it. Just put it in there. And it's a, a long series of questions. And damn, if they aren't uh, difficult. Uh, so, uh, and he only took people that got ninety percent on this test. So, uh, ah, I would be honestly, Steve. I would be surprised if you scored ninety percent. I would absolutely be surprised. I'll have a look at it, and um, I've got some stuff to do. But do you know, I, I'll take that test before the fall, and I'll send you the results. Yeah, and I'll have a witness when I do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I'll estimate my score at seventy-seven. Okay, that's that's uh, you know that's respectable. Uh, I I took the beginning. I started playing with it and the and started taking it and uh, but I didn't finish it. I really did. Oh, there's the bell. Of course, I, um, it was Edison who gave Tesla his big break. So I wonder if Tesla had uh, to was do it, it was it was Tesla that gave Edison his big break. <laughs> well, I mean, well, te- te- Edison employed Tesla, didn't he? At first, yeah. After he stole, he recognised his genius. Yeah, of course, he was. 
<laughs> but it, no, it, it was really good. I, I just came across it on the internet. I think it was uh, the whole test is there, and I didn't get like I said, I didn't do it all. And uh, the questions were were intriguing. Uh, some of them were fairly simple, uh, and he would, but he would know it. Um, Others were a little bit more on the difficult side, and uh, some of them I had a really uh, hard time with. It's like, oh, okay. Geez. What yeah. countries bound France? Luxembourg, Belgium. What are you looking at? Germany, Switzerland, and Italy. What I'm looking, looking at the. I'm looking at the test. What'd you find? The it? intelligence test that Thomas Edison gave to job seekers. How many? I, how many? Uh, hang on. God, there's 100. Uh, hang on. Whoa. Where's the like end a, of this? There's 178 questions. Yeah, there's 100. I've got 246. I have to scroll yeah, down. Yeah, 246. That's a big What city of... and country produce the finest China? Wow. Um, Some ooh. of them are interesting, aren't they? Where is the River Volga? Where is the finest cotton grown? What country consumed the most tea before the war? <laughs> Which one? What city in the United States leads in making laundry machines? I do know that one. Uh, it's got to be in New England. It's got to be in New England state that did that manufacturing. That was all New uh. England. Seriously? Uh. I just said that's one of the New England states. No, you would have been wrong. So you would have got one wrong anyway. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's it's an interesting test. You looked at it, so it is, isn't yeah. it interesting? I'm going to do it. Okay, I think I will do it too. I'll, I'll dig it up. And Ele- do it. Eleven's okay. Where is Spitsbergen? I know that one. <laughs> In what other country than Australia are kangaroos found? And now I know the answer to that, but I'm not going to say it. I do it. too. Yeah, only because right. I watch all these stupid documentaries. <laughs> you see, some of these this this test was actually. Um, 19, whatever it was. So some of these will have changed, like the, the yeah. largest telescope. Do we do the current one or the Edison era one? It would be from that period. And, and the same thing with, uh, you know, okay. which is the, the first and largest states in the United States. That's changed since then. Anyways, we got to go. So, okay. uh, so I bless do it as it was sort of... now. Goodbye. Oh, Bye. <laughs> See you next week. It was John Hancock. <laughs> Good night. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.